Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. As many of you know, near the beginning of 2020, Pastor Francis Chan and his family followed God's lead and moved to Asia to work with a local church there. In this week's episode, we sit down with Pastor Francis Chan as he provides us with an update on what's been going on this past year, from his time in Hong Kong to his transition back into the U.S. He also shares with us a few of the things God has put on his heart along the journey he's currently on regarding unity in the church across the greater body of Christ. So, praise God. I hope that you are really encouraged. Let's jump right in. So we're getting all these questions, you know, just about what's going on in my life. And so I thought I would just answer some of those real briefly. Sometimes I just assume everyone already knows this or heard this, but I keep running into people going, hey, I thought you were in Asia. And uh, yeah, I was. And I thought we were going to be there for life, sold the house, everything else. And after about a year there, they would not give us a visa to stay. Uh, We just assumed it was a done deal and we were just loving it. The whole family was there, 12 of us. Actually, I still had one daughter in San Francisco, but the other 12 of us were in Hong Kong and we were just heartbroken. Just a lot of tears. I could not believe we had to come back to the U.S. Um, because it, it was an adventure. And you, you just felt like God was doing things and opening up doors. And so coming back to the States was kind of like a grieving time for a couple months, but also like a determination. Like, no, we're getting back there. We're getting back there and fighting for the visa. But it didn't work out. And we were formally rejected again in uh in April so so then a door opened up in Fremont California um, and that's where we ended up uh, with a church that um, does a lot of ministry in China um, but just some crazy prophetic things that happened that led us to that decision as there were there were several opportunities places to go But that's where we've landed now, um, helping a church transition into more house gatherings. Um, Meanwhile, some more crazy things happen where my friend Andy Bird from YWAM was out here and um, then they had this whole thing where they ran out of room in Kona, Hawaii and said, hey, can we send like 80 to 100 people to you in the Fremont East Palo Alto area. Can you figure out how to house them and, you know, train them up? These are guys that have already been through our training, but, you know, they want to be missionaries or plant churches or come back and be staff. And so within like two weeks, uh, we figured it out and got housing. And um, then a few weeks later, they moved out here and so now we've got all these young people that are just on fire that i love then there's a uh, you know other ministries that are that have come leaders of great ministries that we just got together and said why don't we just work together at training up the next generation of like church leaders Let's do a collab rather than everyone branding their own thing. 
And uh, we just believe that these young people can be trained up in a way to plant churches all around the world, uh, especially amongst the unreached, and, and that we could create some sort of foundation and support for them so they're not out there on their own. Um, and and I, I'm just getting really excited about that. I mean, that just happened a few weeks ago, and we're like, let's just do it and go for it. And um, so come January, we're going to start pursuing that. And it's very, I don't know, things just keep happening. I, I, I don't even remember, honestly, there were a lot, a lot of big things that have happened in the last three months. And but it's like week to week. I, I, I just have to keep updating and go, oh, then this happened, this happened, this happened. And so I guess bottom line, we're in a great, great place now. I do not believe we were forced back to the US. I, let, me, let me rephrase that. We, yeah. we don't feel like we're, like it's a bummer and, um, we had to come back to the US. It's more like I see now God really was calling us back. And the number of young people, I believe, God is going to let us be a part of sending them to the nations uh, that'll go way beyond what we would have done as a family. And not only that, but our leaders in Hong Kong, I'm still. Uh, ministering to them, discipling them, and the church is actually multiplying and doing better without me. So that's that's a thrill. Um, yeah, all the kids are doing great. That's the update. I'm super happy. Uh, great things happening daily. Uh, I can't even share them all in one podcast. A couple months ago, I was just reminded of certain things God's spoken to me that I haven't been real faithful to. One was that number eight, Numbers 8 passage that talked about the retirement of the Levites when they turned 50. And my wrestle with the Lord on that, going, God, why would you have them retire at 50? I read that passage when I was 50, you know, four years ago. And I'm like, I feel great. I feel like I'm in the best physical shape of my life, believe it or not, at 50. Like I was the strongest, you know, I'd have ever been. I'm running, CrossFit, everything else. My mind is sharp. I've got all this been, you know, ministry experience. I'm ready to go. And then I'm thinking, why would you have had me retire if I lived in the Old Testament times? You know, and as, the more I thought about it, it just made so much sense that those Levites at 50 were supposed to retire and pour into the 25-year-olds and let them do the work and that they were to pass it on. And, and it just became clear to me that this was a message to me from God that I really have to think about passing it on. And this has really hurt so many churches when the old guy just holds on forever until he doesn't even make any sense on the pulpit and no one even wants to listen to him anymore, but he's gonna hold on. And the saddest part of that is that 25-year-old that was not given a chance um, and the mentoring. And, and, I, and I was thinking back to when I was 25, 26, that's when I started the church and a 50 something year old guy that did not take lead, just supported me and guided me. And I'm so grateful for him. And I thought, oh, 
I could do that for this next generation. I don't, I don't need to do my thing. Um, I want to pour into this next group. So it's, it's pretty fascinating to me that God almost overnight gives me a giant group to pour into these 20 somethings. And, and now it looks like he's going to bring more here. And I couldn't, I, I don't know if anything I'd rather be doing than raising up that next generation. No, it's totally different now, the energy of these young people. And, and, and it goes back to some of the stuff I was hearing, you know, in Kansas City, where, where Mike Bickle was talking about how like 40 years ago or something, you know, someone gave him a word that it's when your grandchildren are in their prime, there was going to be this outpouring of just the spirit on this young generation. And at that time, he had like a two-year-old kid and you're talking about your grandchildren in their prime. And so, you know, now as his grandkids are in their teens, I, I'm seeing it. Like my teenage kids are just on fire. You know, they and a couple of their friends are talking about when they graduate touring all 50 states of the U.S. and preaching the gospel and every one of them trying to get to every state before they're 20. And, you know, like all the stats we're hearing about, like in America, it's like 80% of Christians in America do not believe they will share the gospel before they die. But Gen Z, I forget the number, it was clearly over 50%, have shared the gospel in the last month. You know, it's it's just a different mentality. And they say over 50% of Gen Z believers are open to going to missions uh, for a lifetime. I, I thought, gosh, my generation, no one was thinking that. So super fun. Um, this 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 move this this wave of young people. And I think it's a time to support them and release them rather than try to control them or fit them into a mold, you know, that we like and that we've been running for the last, you know, couple decades that is, that is quickly dying. What's been really cool to me is, you know, I wrote the book on unity and but all the while, I just felt like, gosh, a book isn't going to do it. There's, there's more. There's things that are going to happen. And I, you know, I, I, through the writing, I, I learned more and more about what a serious command this is of the Lord and how emphasized it was. And because I came from a tradition where unity really wasn't a priority. In fact, it was scoffed at. It was actually belittled. Like, you want unity, that means... You don't care about truth and unity is only at the expense of truth and and so that's not what our seminary was about we're about going out and we will split the churches you know that we we take over and get rid of the ones that don't really love the word of god like we do and you know it's just it was a very like everyone is off except for me and uh and so there's no thought of working together um it's just we, we really just figure all other groups are apostate and so coming out of that and then reading the scriptures and then grappling with my own arrogance of how do i why do i think my theology is so far superior to everyone else and then you just 
look at even things that we that I believed that contradicted 1500 years of church history and it's like okay but I figured this out now in year 2020 like that's that's ridiculous um, and so just this whole mentality of everyone go into an office and figure out truth for yourself um, and that's the best way to find truth and then we all come to different conclusions like that doesn't make sense anymore to me I need my brothers and sisters in Christ to find truth we need to be totally unified humble seeking the word of god together looking at what our brothers and sisters for centuries have believed why they believed that the when the church was one and they were unified what did they believe like these are all things that we should be studying together just we want truth we and truth is not going to come in isolation i i don't god blesses the unity of his bride and so as i've been convicted of that others have been convicted about that and and i think it's also the times where it's really it's really undesirable to lead a big thing nowadays because you just know that there's no win in that you're gonna get hammered um by people on all sides and uh but if we work together and it's not this competition and um, God can do amazing things. And, and when I've worked in collaboration with others, I've seen the power of God and it's so much more enjoyable. So not only is it the Psalm 133, one, which says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, but we've experienced, you know, verse three, it says for there, he commands his blessing life forevermore. And so if you want to see the blessing of God and experience the power of God, it has to be in unity. And not, not I, I mean, even in the local church level, the, the, the power we've experienced when we've come to unity at the Lord's table with the bread and the cup, that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 20, he's like, you know, what you guys are doing, that's not the Lord's Supper. All those divisions, that's not the Lord's Supper. Um, but there's this special communion that can take place when we're united at the table. And so I'm dreaming, and I, I know some of you guys are going to hear this and say it's heretical, but I don't really care anymore because um, it's not. You're heretical, okay? Um, I am dreaming of the day when I can sit at the Lord's table with brothers and sisters in Christ who trust in the substitutionary death of Christ for their salvation and their lives uh, show the fruit and the works of their salvation. And we're sitting at the same table, breaking one piece of bread, whether you are Protestant, Roman Catholic, or Eastern Orthodox. And I believe when that day happens, there's gonna be a power that's unleashed and 
I believe God is going to command a blessing on that time. And again, I am not saying theology does not matter. I'm not saying there are things that we should not talk through. I'm not saying that there, there are people in the Catholic Church, in the Orthodox Church, in the Baptist Church, who have a works mentality, who don't understand the grace of God. Um, there are people who call themselves believers because they prayed some prayer, but there's no visible outwork in the Holy Spirit, whether you're in the Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, or the Evangelical Church. But I have found true believers in these different groups who really know the Lord Jesus Christ and depend on him. And right now, as it stands, we are not allowed to break bread together. And I just cannot justify that biblically. And I cannot believe for a moment that that's what God wants and that he's happy that his children are at 47 different tables. So I know it sounds outrageous, but it's like we're talking about a God who raised the dead. And I'm dreaming of a day in my lifetime when those who are committed to Jesus Christ and trust in the cross for their salvation, that we sit at that table and God just pours out a blessing like we've never seen before. Um, yeah, since we're recording this right now, uh, I don't think it's coincidence that um, this morning a dear friend of mine died, uh, Brian Brent. Um, just a godly servant of the Lord that God has used powerfully to raise up young people. Um, he's about my age. And, you know, his wife, Christy, uh, they both just ministered to our family so much. Christy is the one who, gosh, had neurological Lyme's disease for like 30 years and was bedridden so most of the time. And, and God, yet used her in this powerful way uh, where she, you know, just prophesied over me and, and really nailed all these things she could not have known um, and then tells me things about the future that are all coming true. I, I mean, just amazing. But the, the craziest thing is a couple years ago, uh, Bill Johnson prayed over her and she was completely healed. And so it's, it's it's like this weird thing where we prayed for Brian and he wasn't healed. And yet you, his wife's healing is one of the most miraculous things I've seen in my life, maybe the most. Um, and so it, it gives me peace, you know, as I want to say, God, why don't you, do you heal or don't you heal? It's just kind of like, well, he clearly did. And then he clearly didn't. I, I don't know. I don't need to be able to explain that. Um, all I know is that it is what it is, but there was a heaviness this morning because you just get hit 
with the idea of finality again. His life on earth is done, period. And you, there's just a heaviness in my soul of that could have just as easily been me. I'm his age. God, you've given me another day. I don't want to waste it. But I'm also going to take the time to grieve for my brother, my friend, and his family. And also take seriously whatever time I have left on this earth. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. We will see you next time with a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org. Thanks.